to see you. Good to be with you today. I like the, I kind of like the warm weather coming back myself. Anybody here like the warm weather coming back a little bit? I know. Don't remind me. Yeah. No, that's right. Winter's over. He said, yeah, remind me of that. Today I want to begin a series uh, entitled Valleys. A couple of weeks ago when I was in my series on the peace of God or finding your missing peace, I had a thought that kind of crossed through my brain. And the thought was peace in the valley. And uh, of course, you know, I'm an Elvis fan. And so I thought of that. And, and, uh, but I kind of investigated and I dug around a little bit, but nothing ever became of it. And so I just kind of forgot all about it. And then on Tuesday morning, I woke up at 4.04 in the morning. I'm old. That's what happens now. And I, woke, and I remember turning over and looking at the clock, and it said 4.04. And this does not always happen. By and large, this doesn't happen. But on the occasion, I have felt a handful of times in my life like the Lord used the numbers on the clock to speak to me. And... When I saw the 404, I had a thought, and the, the first thought I had that come through my head was chapter 40, verse 4. And then I said, and I wondered, I'm like, well, what, I wonder, ch- chapter 40, verse 4, and then I said, what, what would that, where would that be? And the second thought that came into my head was Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4. And later that morning when I got up, I went and I looked and I read it. And this is what that scripture says in Isaiah 40, verse 4. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smooth. And... I was, I shouldn't have been surprised. I was taken aback by it because I had thought about valleys before, but had forgotten about it. And I thought on it. And after a couple of days of wondering about it, I felt like God gave me a word for this season. And it's a word about your valleys, my valleys. And so today, we're going to begin this, and I want to talk about today, victory in the valley. And if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open and look at this in your Bibles in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28. And I would encourage you to look at it in your Bible, because you're going to want to mark this one. This is a markable verse. It's remarkable, and it's markable. And uh, this is what it says. This is just a simple verse. It says, The man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, Because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude in your hand. 
and you shall know that I am the Lord. The Syrians going to war against the Israelites said, their God is only a God of the mountains, but he is not a God of the valleys. But because they said that, the man of God said, God is going to give you the victory in the valleys. Hallelujah. Come on, is that worth a good amen out there? So Father, we just want to receive your word right now. I just pray God for grace to be able to share it and for us all to receive it. Speak Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. Now valley, if you look it up in the dictionary, is defined as an elongated depression in the land. Depression in the land. It's a low area that lies between hills and mountains. Listen to those words, depression, a low area. Now, in the natural, we understand that valleys can be beautiful, they can be lush, but when compared to kind of mountaintop experiences, in our vernacular, valleys have come to mean those lower, harder, more difficult places in our lives. And we use that terminology to kind of differentiate the, the different periods that we're going through in our life. Just as our lands are filled with mountains and valleys, so our lives are filled with high places and low places. And there are those mountaintop experiences, which we all love. And uh, we love how they make us feel, but you know, you can't live on a mountaintop forever because life is a journey. And you're going to, on this journey, you're going to go into high places and you're going to go into low places because life is a journey. You're going to have mountaintop experiences, but you're also going to have those times that we would call valleys in our life. And when we go through those valleys, one of the things that we have to do is be careful that we don't despise the lower, harder, more difficult times in our lives where we become disillusioned and discouraged and embrace the spirit of depression with what we're feeling and going through. Because valleys can be a place of deep frustration. They can be a place that, you know, we just feel frustrated. Why am I here? What am I going through? And and, and why am I facing this in my life? And we can get to the place where we feel like God has forgotten all about us. Is there anybody in the room that has ever felt like that in your life? Well, that's the valley. That's a valley experience. And this is why I wanted to read this passage out of 1 Kings, because I just love how straightforward it is. You know, Israel was, the, the, the nation of Syria was attacking Israel, and they went and they first of all attacked them in the mountainous region of Samaria. And God promised to Israel, I'm going to give you a victory there. And he did. And the Syrians regrouped and they went back to their homeland. And they discovered, or they thought to themselves, we lost that battle. Because they far outnumbered the Israelites by like two to one. And, but they lost. They lost that battle. And so they went back home and they determined among themselves, the reason why we lost is that their God is a God of the mountains, not a God of the valleys. So when they went back to fight against them a second time, the Lord, uh, they, they said that, so the Lord sent a prophet, an unnamed prophet, and told the 
King Ahab and the nation of Israel that I'm going to give you a victory because they don't think that I'm there for you. They only think I'm there for you in the high places, but not the low places. The enemy thinks that you, he'll get you discouraged down in the low place where you won't believe and trust and look for God to help you. So he said, I'm going to not only, I'm not only the God of the mountaintops, I'm the God of the deep, dark valleys in your life. And so they went to war and God gave them a great victory. But the reason why I want to bring that up is because the way that the Syrians believed about God can be a picture sometimes of how we believe about God. When we're on the mountaintops, life is good. God is good. I'm loving life. This is great. But when I get into the valleys, where are you, God? What have I done that's so wrong that you would, that you would forsake me in this desolate place, that you would be allowing me to walk through this? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Amen. And like the Syrians, sometimes we too see God as a God of the mountaintops. But we don't really know Him as a God of the valleys. And just though as God gave Israel the victory in the mountaintops, He came to tell us today, I'm going to bring you victory in your valley. And we, we all love the word victory, but you know there's no victory without a battle. How you like that? I love being victorious. Well, you know how you get there? You go through a battle. But the battle isn't me trying to conjure up a victory. Jesus already won the battle for me. The battle isn't really about me finding out how to win. It's stepping into the victory of Jesus Christ and believing Him. That's, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. That's what he's talking about. That's the battle. Are you going to determine to stand in faith, believing even in your valley, or are you going to turn and run and believe God's not there? So this is what I want to talk about today. When, when we're in a valley, God wants to get us the victory. Anybody here believe that today? And we can have a victory in the valleys when we determine to do three things when you get into your valley. First of all, determine that you're going to go through it. Everybody say through it. You're going to go into a valley. You're going into one. You may be in one right now. If you're not in one, you're, there's one coming. It's just around the corner. And you and I have to determine right now in our lives that we are going to go through the valley. We're not going to get stuck in discouragement. We're not going to stop in defeat we're going to get through this valley. In fact, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror every morning and say, you're going through this valley. You're not going to get stuck in this valley. You're not going to get depressed in this valley. You're not going to embrace disillusionment and defeat in this valley. This is a valley. It's no fun. The mountaintops are fun. The valleys are not necessarily fun. But God is in the valley and you're going to get through the valley, but you've got to determine that you're going through. You're not going under, you're going through. 
Come on, can I get a good amen out there? This is what David said. David said in Psalms 23, Yea, look at these words, Yea, though I walk through the valley. David said, I'm going through the valley. I'm not going to get stuck in the valley. I'm not going to stop in the valley. I'm not going to get stagnant in the valley. I am going through the valley. And the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Notice, I want. You, let's just kind of pick this verse apart a little bit. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley. Here's, here's how you get through the valley. Refuse the spirit of discouragement. Refuse it. We are prone to being easily discouraged when we come up against obstacles in our lives and things that we don't have answers for. Let me tell you something. You don't have answers for every problem you face. And people in your life don't have the answers and preachers and pastors don't have the answers. And when somebody doesn't give us the answer, we get discouraged. No, you got to stop right there and say, you know what? I refuse discouragement. Amen. David said, I'm walking through the valley. I'm going to get through this thing. I'm not going to stop in defeat. I'm not going to get stuck in discouragement. Keep on going through the valley. Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. That's good advice. Amen. Not only do we need to refuse discouragement, but we need to resist the lies that fear produces in our hearts. Fear is a lying spirit. Come on, church. Fear is a lying spirit. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm not going to receive the lies of fear in my spirit. I'm not going to accept it. See, just like the Assyrian or the Syrian advisors to their king said, "Hey, when we go to war, we we should draw them down into the valley because their god is a god of the mountains, but their god is not, not a god of the valleys." And that's the that's the demonic spirit of fear lying. And if we embrace that, we'll accept it and we'll get stuck in our valleys in discouragement. Here's what the spirit of fear or the lying the lies of fear say. They say, God's not in the valley. You put yourself in this valley. God's not here. How, how could he be here when you did this to yourself? The lies will say, you're not going to be healed. God is a God of the mountaintops, not of the valleys. The lie will say, you'll never be able to change. You're stuck. You're going to be the way you are. You'll never change. You'll never change. The lies will say things like, your marriage won't survive. God is not in the valley. That's what the spirit of fear says. That's the lies. Here's what the spirit of fear has been saying to me. The church isn't going to make it. You're not going to make it. Things are going to get worse. Can I just tell you something? Paul said in the last days, things will get worse. Sometimes the spirit of lies is telling the truth in the sense that it agrees with what is said, but it gives you the wrong 
it, it implies the wrong answer. Just because things get worse doesn't mean that God isn't still good and that he is still not God and has all power. And therefore, you and I have the power of God. Things around us may be getting worse, but God is still God. Amen. Come on. Amen. You know what a shadow implies? David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. You know what a shadow implies? That there's a present light. Whenever you find yourself in a shadow of darkness, there's something that's trying to block the reality of what is there, even though you can't always see it clearly or feel it distinctly. It's still there. There's light there. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What's the next phrase? You're with me. The light is there. Hallelujah. And right now it just feels shadowy and dark because in the dark, you know, dark places you see things and you hear things that are not true. Things look a different way in the dark than they do in the light and we become more susceptible to fear and dread and discouragement. But you need to know there's a very present light right now. It's trying to shield your life from the truth. Amen. I love Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3, where the prophet says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, I believe is what that's supposed to say. Amen? Is that the correct translation? nor shall the flame scorch you. Look at the next verse. Read this with me. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Hallelujah. I am your God. Hallelujah. I'm right there with you. Amen. So we need... If we're going to get through the valley, we've got to refuse discouragement. We've got to resist the lies of fear. And then we need to rely on the presence of God. We need to rely, rest in the fact that God is with us. David said, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff are a comfort to me. Sometimes I think we look at the rod and the staff and we think, oh, those are God's beating instruments. He's going to beat me up. He's going to beat me down when I mess up. No, he, he is a rod beating off the lies of the enemy and he is a staff giving direction to my life. He's with me. When I'm in the valley, David said, for you are with me. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fear. It may be dark. It may be shadowy. I may, it maybe doesn't feel good right now, but I know you're with me. I'm going through this valley. I'm not going to get stuck here because there's another valley and there's another mountain and there's another valley and there's another mountain. The problem with some of us is we're stuck in a valley that we've been stuck in for far too long. And it's time to move on. Amen. So, everybody say, go through. Go through it. Go through it. 
Number two, grow through it. Grow through it. Hey, if you're here, if this is where you are, let's do something with it. Amen. I can whine about it. I can cry about it. I can be mad at God about it. I can be mad at people about for where I'm at. But it, listen, I'm here. I can't change that fact. I'm not there anymore. I'm down here. This is where I'm at. So if I'm going to be here, then let's, let's do something with it. Because there's probably a reason why I'm here. This is the part I don't like. But this is the part we all need to hear. Amen. Valleys are where things grow. I want to show you a scripture out of Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. This is the Shulamite. This is the girl talking about what had happened was before. Let me just, let me just set this up real quick before we read this. She had a love for her husband, but that love had waned and that passion had been misplaced. And I know the Song of Solomon is about husband and wife and male and female relationship and the beauty and the purity of that love and that devotion and that passion. If you're ever having marriage problems, sit down and read the Song of Solomon together. That'll get you going. And, uh, and, uh, but her love for her husband had waned. And this is a picture. This is why sometimes people relate the Song of Solomon to the bride of Christ and the bridegroom of Jesus, because there's a picture in there, not solely and only, but there is a picture in there about the bride and how her devotion and her passion for her, for her husband. But anyway, in the story, her devotion for her, past, her husband had kind of passed. And it says in chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, she said, I went down to the grove of the walnut trees and out to the valley to see the new spring growth, to see whether the grapevines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. I went to the valley. It was in the valley is where the growth happens. It's down in the valley is where the produce and the fruitfulness takes place. And she said, before I realized it, my strong desires had taken me to the chariot of a nobleman. And what that literally implies is when I was there and I saw the, the growth and I experienced the renewal and the revival, I was swept away like a, like a person on a chariot. It just began to take me away. The passion revived. And the point that I wanted us to see in that verse of Scripture is that it's great to be on the mountaintops because mountaintops are where we get perspective but it's in the valleys where we begin to produce fruit in our lives on the mountaintops God gives us revelation for our life but it's in the valleys where there comes transformation when we're mountaintops God gives us a revelation of our where he's taking us but it's down in the valleys that he begins to produce the kind of person that we need to be to get us there Come on now. We need to understand we got it. We can't live on the mountaintops. We're going to have to live through the valleys because it's in the valley places where God begins to grow and to develop us 
And if you read the Bible, all you have to do is read the Bible. You'll find this to be true. Abraham, what did God do? He gave him a picture. You're going to be the father of nations. He said to David, you're going to be the king of Israel. He said, he said to Joseph, you're going to be the leader of the world. He gave them a revelation of their destiny. But then down in the valley they went. In the transformation of their lives. To get them where he wanted them to be. Oh, come on now. I think I'm preaching up here. Is anybody... I'm telling you, you're going to go through the valley, but you've got to go through. You have to have an attitude of going through. I'm going to get through this. I am not going to get stuck here. I'm not going to stop here. But while you're here, while we're all here, let's grow. Let's grow while we're here. And listen, you, you and I, we need to grow on purpose. How do I grow? On purpose. When you're a child born into this world... You just kind of automatically grow. You just, you're just growing so fast. You're growing in and out of shoes and jeans and you have no control of it. But when you reach a certain place, you're not growing physically anymore, but you better keep on growing because there's a lot of people that are 40 years old, but they seem like they're four years old. Growth has to happen on purpose. I want to tell you something about valleys. They're inevitable. You're you're never going to not go through a valley. They're impartial. No one is immune to them. (laughs) They're unstoppable. It's, It's just going to... But here's another thing about valleys. They're purposeful. I want to tell you something. God has a purpose for your valley. God has a purpose in your valley. God has a purpose beyond your valley. God has a purpose. I love that, that scripture that says that it is the purpose of God that will prevail. And God's purpose is the growth and the development of your life. Here's what Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18. He says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't like the way you are? Probably nobody else in your life does either. If you don't like the way you are, change the way you are. And the way you change the way you are is you can't change or transform yourself in and of yourself. You and I have to grow in the grace and the knowledge and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We grow by His grace, which is His empowering presence. I can't change myself by myself, but I give myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. I submit to His Lordship in my life, and by His grace, He begins to transform me and change me and teach me. And it happens through knowledge, too. You can't get anywhere if you don't get the knowledge of God in your spirit. And I want to just remind everybody in the room, you don't know it all. Amen. I know people, I know it all. I already know everything I'm supposed to do. If you did, if you knew it all, you wouldn't be in the mess you're in. I'm having fun. I'm not trying to talk down at you. But we don't know it all. There's more to know. And if I'm going to grow, I got to get more knowledge. 
And I certainly need more grace. But I must submit to his lordship. That's how you grow on purpose. But also, and I want to make this point, we need to grow through the pain. Because if there's a thing that valleys can represent, it is pain. It's painful times in our lives. Valleys are often the most painful experiences of our own, either our personal failure or other people, what other people have done to us or circumstances that happened outside of our control. And we have a choice at that time. I'm either going to get bitter or I'm going to get better. We all have to make that choice when something of pain strikes at the core of who we are. And if I'm going to grow, I've got to grow through pain. That's, how, that's partly how we grow, is through pain. Peter, again, understood this. The reason why Peter could talk the way he talks is because he lived it. He walked it. But here's what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved or distressed by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you go back to that first part of that verse, I want you guys to see something. He said, in this you greatly rejoice. Now I have a hard time rejoicing in trials. I think he's speaking positively. But look at this. He says, though now for a little while, Here's another thing about valleys. They're temporary. They won't last forever. You're going to get another one. It'll probably be a little bit different. This valley is going to be temporary. For a little while. Are you with me out there? But look at those next three words. If need be. That's the part I hate. You know what that tells me? You probably need this. That's what that says to me. If need be. Sometimes we need to go through this. It's grievous. It's distressing. It's heartbreaking. But there's something more precious in you than the extraction of gold. Like people give their whole life to extract. Go to a mountain and extract gold out of it that perishes. It's precious. It's wonderful. But Peter says there's nothing that compares to the real you and who God destined you to be and what God planned for your life and He's going to extract it. There's a preciousness and a genuineness of you. He's pulling out. And it's painful. But you know, sometimes the precious thing 
come out of the painful things. You guys have heard this, the analogy of how, you know what a pearl is? A pearl is basically a healed wound. That's what a pearl is. A little grain of sand finds its way into the crack of the oyster. And the oyster's coping mechanism to the pain is to secrete whatever it secretes to cover over the irritation of that sand and just constantly covering it over, secreting this over that irritation until out comes a beautiful pearl. Not every oyster produces pearls. Only those who've experienced growth in the pain. There's something more precious in you. And you need to be here. Not that that needed to happen. Not that that should have happened. I'm not one of those that believe that God causes bad things so that we can get this thing. I believe that God takes bad things and then he gets these things. That's my theology. That's how I think about it. That's what not all, just, just because God works all things together for good doesn't mean he was saying oh, everything's good. Because everything's not good. There's a lot of bad things that happen to good people. But God is always good. And he's always about our good and your good. And so while we're going through, let's be sure to grow through. Let's get to the next level. That's why I'm here. I need it. I love mountaintops because I can see clearly what God is doing. I love to have a vision. I love to see where God's taking me. But I don't like it when we start going down the hillside into the valley. Because it's in that valley that he's developing me to be the kind of man to attain what he had me to see. Wouldn't it be great if you just said, here, you can see it, now you have it. Now you see it, now it's yours. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It's just not the way it works. So we need to grow, amen. Go through, everybody say go through. Grow through, grow through. Number three, finally, we need to glorify God through it. I want to remind us what 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28 says. He said, I'm going to deliver this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. You know, every valley we go through, every valley we're growing through, is ultimately an opportunity for us to get closer to the Lord and to know Him better. There is nothing more important for the Lord, than for you and I to know Him. In all of Paul's journeys, in all of his successes, in all of his beatings, in all of his shipwrecks, you know what he said? 
This is what I want to know him. I've been busy saying, this is what I want to have a big church. To be a powerful preacher, to be successful at what I do, to be happy. Paul's, his whole thing was, I want to know Him. That's what God wants. We want this, we want to achieve that, we want to, I'll go through a little bit of this so I can get there. No, God wants you to know Him. Amen. Two mistakes when we're going through a valley in our life. Two common mistakes we make when we're going through a valley. And I've seen this over and over in my 30-something years, our 30-something years in ministry. I've seen it in myself, number one, but I've seen it in others too. When we're going through a valley, we either turn away from God, there's a tendency for us to turn away from God because we're frustrated and we feel like God's forgotten us and why did God allow this and if God's so good why did this happen to me and we close down our spirit we shut out our we shut our heart up to the Lord we turn away from God and or we turn against people the two worst things we could possibly do when we're going through a valley is to isolate yourself and pull away from God and to pull away from other people. And we've seen it out of, you know, we get hurt, we get scared, we get frustrated, we get disappointed, and we get, we, so we just kind of turn away from God, and consequently we turn away from others in our lives. That's the worst thing that we can possibly do. I want to tell you something, God doesn't get the glory in that. When we're in a trial, when we're in a valley, when we're going through a situation and it's dark and there's a shadow there and things are not... What we need to do is not only go through it, grow through it, but glorify God through it. Set our heart on glorifying God. What does it mean to glorify God? Well, let me just give you real quick what it means to glorify God. Number one, it means to believe His promise for your life. You know how God gets the glory? It's when you believe Him. Come on. God gets the glory when you believe what He said to you. Just like the man of God went to Ahab and the children of Israel, and he said, they said, He's only a God of the mountains, not of the valleys. But because they said that, the man of God said, I'm telling you, I'm going to deliver them into your hand. Now, they had a choice at that moment. Are they going to believe God, or are they going to cower in fear? Are they going to avoid the battle? Are they going to avoid going into that that warfare and experience God? They believed the man of God. They believed the Word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God. But anyway, For anyone who comes to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. You know, God wants to reward your faith. He has rewards for our faith. Believing Him. Believing His Word. Taking Him at His Word. Whatever I'm facing in my life right now. And just saying, you know what? I believe the promise of God. I don't trust me. I don't trust the weather. I don't trust the circumstances. I don't trust the next president or whoever the president is going to be. I believe God. 
I believe His Word. I'm going to hold on to His Word. I'm going to stand on His Word. That's This is where my foundation is. And the, the Bible says, And those who believe Him are rewarded. Hallelujah. God is, He gets the glory when we trust Him. But also, God gets the glory when we receive His power. Now, here's what God said through the man of God. He said, I will deliver them into your hand. You know what that, now look at it. I'm going to do it through your hand. See, that's how God does it. He gives you the victory through you. He empowers you to get through it. And He loves that. That's how He gets the glory. He gets the glory as you and I not only believe Him in what He said, but He gets the glory in us receiving His strength, His power to be able to do what He said we could do. And then we do it. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Look at those words. According to the power that works in us. Everybody say, in us. The power is at work in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know how God gets the glory? When we allow and receive the power to be at work in our lives. You're going to get the victory. You're going to get through this. You're going to change. You're going to be transformed. You're not always going to be like this. You're not always going to be in this place of difficulty. You're not always going to be struggling with this same issue. Why? Because when you receive the power of God, God's power is at work in your life, and that's how He gets the glory. Hallelujah. I don't feel like I'm preaching well, but I'm sure I'm having fun. Here. We glory, God gets the glory when we believe His promise, receive His power, and declare His praise. He said, I will deliver them into your hand, and you shall know that I am. Everybody say, I am. When you know the I am, all you can do is give him the credit because you know it, it wasn't you. That's all you can do is just give God the credit. Joseph, when he went down into the valley, after God gave him that mountaintop revelation, he went down into the valley. And at the end of it, he t- said to his brothers, what you meant for evil. God meant for good. I didn't like the valley. I didn't ask for the valley. I didn't betray anybody. I was the one that was betrayed. I wasn't, I didn't throw anybody in a pit. I was thrown into a pit. I didn't falsely accuse anybody. I was falsely accused. What you meant for evil, 
God turned it for good. When God gave David that revelation of being the king of Israel, when he went down into the valley to face his giant, and everybody in this room's got a giant that's out to destroy your life. David went down there and he said, You come at me with spear and a javelin and a sword, but I come at you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. He was declaring his praise and his dependence upon God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were going through their valley of the fiery furnace, said that, they said, O king, God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Hallelujah, isn't that great? Paul said, when he went through his valley in, in, in the conflict of ministry and the pain and the turmoil and the shipwrecks and the beatings, he said, I'd, I'd lost heart. I'd, I'd almost given up. And there was this thorn, this, this, this evil spirit was sent to afflict me. And I prayed to God that he would deliver me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he went on to say, so I'm just going to rejoice in my weakness that the power of God would rest on me. What are these people doing? They're declaring the praise of God. They knew God. They knew God. Was there why they went through? They were going through. They were growing through. And they were glorifying God through it all. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Are you in a valley? Are you in a valley? Is this a valley right now in your life? I think we're in a valley in some ways, in many ways, obviously, for obvious reasons in our nation. And valleys are discouraging and they're depressing. And I just, I, I guess I want to come against the spirit of depression. Because I think that there's a lot of depression that's settled in on a lot of hearts today. Because we're in a depressed place and we may not even be by nature prone to depression but depression comes at us in various forms and it grips us we need to set our heart to go through to grow through so we can glorify God through it amen so father I just I want to thank you for everyone in this room right now and everyone watching. Lord, I thank you that you are not only the God of our mountaintops, but you are the God of our valleys. You're not only with us when everything's going great, but you're with us when it feels like everything is going wrong. And Lord, I just come right now against that shadowy darkness of depression, that pall of hopelessness that is settled over some of our hearts. Father, we resist it now. We refuse to be discouraged, and we resist the lie of fear.
Lord, I pray that you would give supernatural revelation for every one of us in whatever valley we're going through. God, that you would help us to know, to see clearly, even when we can't see our hand in front of our face, God, that you would open the eyes of our heart to see the truth and to keep walking through, to keep going through. I pray against the spirit of give up right now. I pray against the spirit of quit. I pray, Lord, for a resolve to settle in our heart. I pray, God, for a, just a renewal in our spirit, God, to keep moving ahead. And Lord, give us a greater revelation of the I am, of the one who is with us, I pray. Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. Thank you.